Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Robertson, welcoming you to this week's edition of TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that extends its condolences to the family, friends, and fans of George Meharis. George Meharis, the Brando-esque actor known to three generations of TV viewers as Buzz Murdoch on Route 66, the groundbreaking series from the early 1960s, also starring Martin Milner, that is still considered one of the very best dramatic TV series ever made. George Meharis passed away this past Wednesday, May 24th, at the age of 94. You might recall that we had an opportunity to talk to George Maharis on TV Confidential back in 2012. It was a well-rounded conversation in which we talked about not only Route 66, but George's extensive stage background, including productions of Exodus, as well as his accomplishments as a painter, which included a particular concentration on impressionistic art. We'll replay that conversation with George Maharis in its entirety, beginning in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, joining us now is our friend Jim Rosen. Jim, of course, has written about some of the great shows from the 60s and 70s, including Route 66. Not only that, Jim talked to George Maharis for his book on Route 66 and became, you know, stayed, stayed in touch with George over the last 15, 16 years up until the time of his death. As a matter of fact, Jim, you spoke to George just a few weeks before he passed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe three weeks ago, maybe maybe a month. Was he in good form? Yeah, he sounded fine. You know, uh, sometimes he would repeat himself, but uh, yeah, he was clear and lucid, and uh, he was he had he had fallen and uh, I think fractured his hip, so he had to use a walker and he was recuperating from that. But otherwise, he sounded good to me. And he had someone to come and help him and take care of him, you know. Was he still painting? I, I remember that the, at the time I spoke to him, and this is something I learned from you, uh, he was a very accomplished artist. And, in fact, in our conversation, he gave insight into why he became an artist and why many other actors became an artist. And I, I, I would imagine the ability to create art besides creating product that kept his mind active and when your mind is active that keeps you young no matter what your age is oh yeah yeah i think he was very active uh, especially when his career uh, began to uh, lessen and uh, when he retired he was very active in painting and uh, he had works in some of the galleries in new york and i think he had a project in one of the museums 
Yeah, he was an accomplished painter for sure. Jim Rosen is, is an accomplished author, written many books about shows such as Route 66 from the golden age of television. Uh, Jim knew George Harris personally over the past 15 years, and I spoke to George just a few weeks before his passing. George Harris passed away this past Wednesday, May 24th, at the age of 94. Now, of course, besides taking us behind the scenes of Route 66 and showing us why it really was a show that was uh, not it was both of its time and ahead of its time. Uh, you also clear up some of the misconceptions that circulated around the history of Route 66, including the reasons why George left the show in the middle of the third season. Well, the problem began in the series as the series drew closer to the end of the second season. Yeah, George and Marty were working very long hours in all kinds of conditions, and George's health in particular began to suffer as a result. They were shooting an episode in Texas, even Stones Have Eyes, where he's blinded. And uh, at one point, he's required to jump into a lake and save a blind woman. Uh, this was in the early part of 1962, uh, probably the 28th episode of the season. It was a very cold, wintry night, and they shot it in very cold water. So as a result, George, who was, uh, you know, run down from working long hours, he, as a result, began to feel very fatigued and tired and run down, uh, in particular after, after filming of that episode finished. And they did a few more in Texas. They moved to California. And then he was shooting on Catalina Island a two-character episode with Joanna Moore. And uh, she gets her foot stuck in between two rocks as the tide comes in. And unless George can free her, she's going to drown. So he tries everything to save her. So he's running. He dives into the water and swims out to a boat and finds nobody there. He runs up and down hillsides and falls. And he's trying to find someone on the island, which is deserted, to help him save this woman. So after they got done shooting that, he really uh, he was very sick. So uh, he was hospitalized with hepatitis. Uh, he was there for a month in St. John's Hospital in Santa Monica. Now, when he was in the hospital, uh, producer Burt Leonard came to see him, and he told George that he hoped with rest he would return for season three, because if he didn't, CBS might not renew them. So George was in the hospital for a month. He went back to New York to recuperate for another month during hiatus. And then uh, he reported on time for season three, which was early June. Now, here's the kicker. Ed. The agreed-upon provision was that uh, Maharis would work no more than four hours a day, be fed properly and nutritionally, and a schedule that ensured his rest would be implemented. That never happened. Now, to play devil's advocate, it's very hard to do when it concerns a co-star who is a very vital part of the show. Uh, and here's the difference, because there was a difference between George and Marty. Jim Sheldon, who directed about 14 episodes, once said, Sterling Siliphant created a very interesting character. George made him fascinating, and Marty provided the perfect balance. That's in the book. And if you look back at the two characters and the actors who portrayed them, it's very true. Uh, Buzz Murdoch, George, was the bad boy from Hell's Kitchen. Todd Styles Marty was the Ivy League clean-cut fellow. 
George was dark-haired, charming, uh, intense, sometimes volatile. Uh, Todd was blonde, easygoing, patient, friendly. As an actor, George was more visceral and challenging with directors. He came from the actor's studio. Marty was more accommodating and let's get it done. You know, he was a product of Hollywood. Now, there was a grand chemistry between these two people, despite the contrast. The thing was, the contrast fed into the chemistry. And they really, really were, were very, very fine together. They had a special chemistry. However, I believe that George was the driving force in the show, and the audience really took to him. I think at the height of his popularity, I recall, he was getting 5,000 fan letters a week, Marty maybe 1,800. So that's kind of proof of the pudding. Well, plus George, George had that dark, brooding look to him. Oh yeah, he was—he was, he was a kind of Brando-esque. <laughs> yes, very, very much so. Very much yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. And Marty, I can't say enough about Marty. Marty was great. Marty was accommodating. He was—he uh, was very personable. He was well liked. He was a, an a child actor. He was in many, many high-profile films. Played supporting roles. Uh, you know, I don't think he ever had any discord with Burt Leonard during the four years of the the show. Uh, he was very reliable. Yeah, but he was one kind of an actor, and George was another kind of an actor. But together, they were special. Together, they yeah. were special. Jim Rosen is special. Jim Rosen's on the line with us. Jim's books on classic television include Route 66, the television series for which he spoke to both George Maharis and Marty Milner and many of the other people behind the scenes, such as director James Sheldon and many of the guest stars and some of the other behind-the-scenes people who made Route 66 possible. George uh, Harris passed away uh, this past Wednesday, May 24th at the age of 94. Jim Rosen interviewed George for the book and and remained friends with George up until George's passing. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's see. As long as we're uh, straightening out uh, the reasons why George left the show in the middle of the third year, a lot of obituaries have come out, and in many cases, one takes something from the other, and uh, perpetuates a, a misinformation. George was your friend, so you knew you have the information from the horse's mouth. Let me just clarify something. Now, the New York Times, among others, reported that uh, the reason why George left the show was a conflict over the fact that he was gay. Now, you dispute that, and you dispute that because you spoke to a lot of people who also disputed that. Yeah, I, 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 I talked to enough people on the show that worked with George for years and, and knew George well, and that was not a factor in him leaving the show. It had nothing to do with it. It was irrelevant. Yeah, it had more to do with his illness, and it also had to do with the fact that, remember, Route 66 was, it was not like the Warner Brothers shows where they had dual leads, but one week it would be Ephraim Zimbalist, one week it would be Roger Smith, one week it would be Jim Garner, one week it would be Jack Kelly. So they would shoot two shows at once. 
Whereas with Route 66, it was it was Buzz and Todd. So, you know, I mean, you you, you may have a storyline where Buzz stays in El Segundo for for a week while Todd goes out on his own, but you can't do that every week because all the shows are written around the two characters. And so if right. if, if one of the stars were out were incapacitated for a long period of time, uh, you still have a production schedule to make, and so sometimes decisions have to be made, and that's one of the factors behind why George ultimately left the show. Well, he has the uh, bout of hepatitis. He comes back, and he uh, works very long hours in season three for the first 12 episodes, Mm -hmm. and he's supposed to work four. winds up working nine, ten, eleven. Because, as I said, he's a very vital part of the show, and it's very hard to diminish his uh, presence. So, they're on episode 12, they finish in St. Louis, an episode called Hey Moth, Come Eat the Flame. And uh, the director, I think it was Jim Sheldon, some of the crew members said, George, looks awful, my God. So it's confirmed that he has a reoccurrence of hepatitis. So the doctor's diagnosis in St. Louis, go back to New York and rest for a few weeks and then consult your personal physician, see how you feel. Well, George goes back to New York and uh, he sees his uh, doctor, Sidney Greenberg, very good doctor, and uh, who had implored George, stick to your guns and do not work more than four hours a day, which is what George did not do. But George, again, had a loyalty to the show. Mm Mm-hmm. And a loyal, certain loyalty to Burt Leonard, I think. And Burt Leonard was under a lot of pressure to keep the show going. He was also doing Naked City. Yeah. So he had two fronts running. He was a very good producer uh, and very responsible and very resourceful. But this was a big problem for him. So uh, over the next few months, there was a lot of back and forth between uh, Burt and George because initially Burt Leonard figured, well, George can go home, recuperate, and we'll... We'll give him what he needs, and then he'll come back when he's feeling better. Well, Sidney Greenberg, I think, kind of put it into George's head, and rightfully so. You're going to need more than a couple of weeks rest from this. This is not something, a reoccurrence, where you walk away uh, for a couple weeks and go back, because uh, this, if this keeps up and you go back and your condition worsens, the next step is cirrhosis or and or even death. Yeah. So I think it put the, struck the fear of God in George. Anyway, what happened was Marty appeared in nine episodes by himself. The show suffered. In January, over two months after it had passed, because George left the show October 30th, he was still recuperating and complained that he didn't feel well. They brought in Screen Gems, who produced the show with Burt Leonard's Lancer Productions. They brought in a doctor, uh, Eisenmenger, who was a... I guess, a specialist in infectious diseases. And he examined George in January, two months after he had left, over two months, and he found no uh, traces of hepatitis. And uh, George's own doctor, Sidney Greenberg, confirmed that. But the problem was George was still concerned. He had this intermittent fatigue and at times uh, borderline temperature elevations. So Eisenmenger said, well, after careful scrutiny, I think you can go back to work. I think what you're feeling now is unrelated to the hepatitis, but it's, it's important that you go back gradually. And Sidney Greenberg again spoke up and said, not only that, I think you should insist and these people should make sure 
that you don't work more than four hours a day until you've gained your strength back and you minimize this ever, ever reoccurring. Because he was George's personal doctor. Mm-hmm. Eisenbringer was a very learned doctor and a specialist, but he was hired by the studio. Right. So, in, so yeah, he, so basically, not that the doctor is going to not give the best diagnosis, but it was in his best interest and the studio's best interest to get George on his feet and back full time. Uh, exactly. To, because hey, it, yeah, because they this, concurred. Yeah, they concurred. But but you know you have you had one a personal physician versus a specialist, and Greenberg was a pretty sharp doctor. Yeah. But he was he was interested in George's welfare, no doubt about it, and he implored him. He also did not want to get involved with the studio or with uh, the network as far as George's condition. Uh, that was not his desire, or he felt it was inappropriate. So he worked on George, which imploring him to to do what he was advising him to do. Now, meanwhile, George becomes very extremely concerned, and he's scared of permanent damage or health. In addition, Calvary Grant, of all people, who was a friend of George's personal manager, who had had hepatitis years early, spoke to George, and he tells him, you need one year of rest and no alcohol. It's vital. Well, George was not a drinker anyway. Right. But one year of rest. So this this bolstered George's resistance to returning. Meanwhile, the pressure's mounting. Jerry Himes, the the head of Screen Gems, he gets involved and said, look, George, we will give you everything you need. Uh, You'll work no more than four hours. You'll receive the attention you should get. And uh, (laughs) we're back to square one because George is convinced that as the co-star, he's not going to get by working four hours a week. That's, Mm -hmm. That's nonsense. In addition, they cast uh, Glenn Corbett in the meanwhile, and the show is now running with Glenn Corbett in the Corvette alongside Marty. The problem is that Glenn Corbett is, although a very competent actor and a handsome guy, uh, he's miscast. He's not right for this role, which is that of a very volatile, intense Vietnam veteran. Uh, They had approached Burt Reynolds initially. Burt Reynolds said no, he was not going to be someone's replacement, and he was involved. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about this for a minute. Is Burt Reynolds was ideal for that part of Lincoln Case, the guy that flies off the handle? Probably not. Could fly. But then you look at him in the Corvette with Marty, I think he would have overshadowed Marty I agree. in a way that George didn't. I agree. And it's, you know this as an actor, it's very difficult to step in for somebody else. In a circumstance like that. I I remember when I was doing The Streets. Streets being Jim's book, The Streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin television series. Richard Hatch, was uh, he had a heck of a time uh, filling in for Michael Douglas. He told me, you know, which is understandable, you know. It's very, very difficult. Jim Rosen's on the line with us. Jim Rosen, author of Route 66, the television series, Streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin television series, and many other books on popular culture. Jim is spending a few minutes talking about his friend George Beharis and particularly clarifying some of the misconceptions and misinformation surrounding the reasons why George Beharis left Route 66 in the middle of the third season and was eventually replaced by Glenn Corbett. George Beharis passed away this past Wednesday May 24th at the age of 94. So they cast uh, Corbett, who was in their backyard. He was under contract in Columbia. And not only those things which worked against him and were not his fault, he also, his personality was very similar to Marty's. There was no longer the contrast that, that sparked the chemistry that made 
George and Marty worked together and yeah, really drove yeah, a successful Yeah, show. he didn't have the intensity that George did, nor the charm. But he was a, he was a, you know he was a good actor. I can't I can't say anything disparaging about Glenn. No, and an and actor I, cannot fault if he's miscast in a role. That's right. He can and, only be who he is. That's right. And he was available. He, yeah, he, he was yeah. available at a time they needed a body to step in and fill in yeah. for however long George was going to be out. Well, yeah, and I wouldn't reduce it to that that degree. I would say he was good. He was good in the show, you know, because he was. Uh, he was a nice guy and he had a good personality, but he was too similar to Marty. Yeah. Uh, the, as you say, as you point out aptly, the, the chemistry was not there. Off camera, they were very good friends. They were both family men. They were friend, more friendly than uh, George and Marty were off camera. We'll continue our conversation with Jim Rosen on the other side of the break. Plus, we will replay our conversation with George Maharis that originally aired in 2012. We will bring that to you beginning in our second hour. In the meantime, take a quick time out. We'll be back with more TV Confidential right after this. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit FrontPorchRealtyGroup.com for more information on how they can help you. 